You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. Welcome to another episode of the award-winning Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young, and we are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan. And we have two friends that are joining us on the Brand Builders Podcast, Michael Hernandez and Andy Pfeiffer from Arthur Elliott. Now, let's talk a little bit about brand marketing. Brand marketers have one job. They want to make your business stand out so you can sell your product or service. But let's be honest, in a pandemic where a lot of businesses have to shift, to pivot, or unfortunately even close, a strong brand can really help you survive. Now, Arthur Elliott is a strategic marketing company that has been helping companies do just that. Um, but then they went a little bit further, which is pretty cool. They use their marketing expertise to help one group we know uh, that's been hit hard, restaurants. And we're so excited to hear what they're going to do for restaurants during this time. Uh, and, and also to learn a little bit more about you know exactly what Arthur Elliott is. They are a creative agency that makes better things, better brands, and better businesses, which is awesome. Like, who doesn't want that? So, Michael... Andy, welcome to the Brand Butters Podcast. We're so excited for you to be here, and we are so excited to learn a little bit more about Arthur Elliott. We appreciate it. Yes, appreciate sir. that. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, so tell us, uh, that was one sentence about Arthur Elliott. Tell us in a little more elaboration, what do you do and what, what brought you all together to start this business and understand that there's a market for what you offer? Uh, Michael, I guess I'll have to answer that one. Um, a lot of this started, uh, I, you know, some people consider or ask if I'm an entrepreneur and I really don't feel comfortable with that word um, because I didn't, you know, bake something in my mom's basement and try to sell it for, you know, get investors. I was very fortunate that I worked at another agency agencies throughout my career started with Coke Consolidated here in town. So I had some marketing experience and I had a client that we still have today that um, I'd left my agency world for about six to eight months and they called me and said, hey, we want you to come back and work. We work with people. I'm sure you guys have heard this. We work with people, not companies or businesses. We want you. So I had to effectively go back and pitch the business against my ex-employer and all my ex-competitors uh, knowing that I had it. I mean, they called me. And so I had my first account and I started working in my third bedroom in my house on um, uh, Collinswood, you know, this little small boxy houses. Uh, and I had a, and I had a black dog and that was my first employee. And we, we kind of did that for a few years until, uh, you know, that, that area of your, that time of your life, this building is extremely difficult because you don't have anything to build off of. So I kind of got lucky again. I had another agency that said, Hey, you're literally working in your underwear every day. So why don't you contract through us? And they kind of set me up. Um, and I grew their business for them and started to add people of my own. Um, and all along I was working on this Napa auto parts account and Napa is a massive company, 6,000 stores across the United States, uh, 58 distribution centers. I had one, state so one distribution center we got to nine we got to 13 that agency ended up kind of going out of business retiring if you will and handed me their book of business um and suddenly we had 32 napa states or dcs and uh i had hired up to nine today we're at about 26 people so we we just kind of grew i've been very blessed that 
I guess, you know, the, the idea was I worked pretty hard on one thing, did it well enough that someone recognized it and gave me more. You know, I didn't, I didn't really have a strategy or plan to conquer the world like some guys do or the risk that some guys do. So um, today we have Napa still. Um, we have a team of nine people actually that work on Napa. We brought, we started bringing all our vendors that we had that were friends um, in-house. So we brought our creative team that we worked with outside in-house. We eventually brought digital services in-house. We're using so much. That really skyrocketed us too. So we became, in a matter of four to five years, a full service marketing agency or advertising agency. And as you know, as things go along, you start to hire better and better people, got more specific people to do specific things, hired a creative director who came from Los Angeles. And we got, we got some, today we're sitting at, I think, a very talented group of people, um, not just Napa. We have some great relationships in, in Charlotte. So Lennar Holmes is a, is a very good client of ours. Um, NC Pediatrics is a dentistry group of people. Um, I'm not going to name them all, but the list goes on. One client we have a blast with is uh, Smith Brothers Cough Drops. One of the best clients you can have because they kind of walk in and say, hey, just make this funny and, and go with it. And if we get complaints, <laughs> that's good. So yeah. um, if we offend people, you know, so we were like <laughs> licking our chops. <laughs> um, so that was great. Um and so yeah, we've got a we've got a bunch of other clients. I, I don't want to leave people out, but for the sake of time, um, great team, uh, full service advertising agency, sitting at around twenty six people today, and uh, really proud of really really feel lucky, I guess, really blessed and proud of the team we have. So that's the short, very short story of our There's a lot of mistakes in there we could talk about, but maybe that's another call. No, I think that's important. You you know, we we as entrepreneurs kind of fail forward a lot of the times. We don't have all the answers, but like you said, it's important to surround yourself with smart people, smarter than yourself people is the way I look at it, um, to to help you come up with that creativity and solutions that you otherwise might not have. Uh, so thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, where did the name Arthur Elliott come from? Great question. So when this all kind of happened, I was walking my dog and uh, they said, Hey, you know, I don't know. I think it was late December. They said, we're going to, we're going to change agencies in January. And uh, I had to go effectively quit my job that I currently had, take a, take a major risk there and trust these guys, find 800 bucks to fly to Phoenix. And um, then I was like, why do I even start a business? You know? So I had a buddy, one of the things I've learned over time, I'm sure you guys do is I, I have a lot of mentors and, reach out to a lot of guys that are older than me and said, how do I do this? What do I do? So he kind of set me up with an LLC and he said, you know, what's the name of the company? And I was like, um, I don't know. How about uh, Elliott Marketing Group? So that's the registered company with the state. And then I went to buy the domain and there's an Elliott Marketing Group. And I remember I'm working with just Napa. Elliott Marketing Group that exists, .com in Charlotte, who oh. works in NASCAR. Oh my God. <laughs> You're like, you gotta be so, kidding me. Yeah. So I was like, how does this guy, you know, he, he clearly didn't fill out the right paperwork at the, you know, so, um, Elliot is my dad's name. Arthur was his dad's name. So I said, we'll just make it Arthur Elliot. I'll, I'll kind of honor my dad and honor my grandfather. And when I put the two together, I'm like, actually, that's pretty, I like that. It sounds classy. So 
Arthur Elliott was spawned literally because names were taken. It's kind of a funny story, but yeah. Love that. Uh, yeah. That is, That's so cool. That is cool. And, you know, everybody always talks about like motivation and inspiration. Like how could you not look up every day and look at a business that you created that has your father and your grandfather's name and honestly not make it a great day? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know yeah, yeah. what else could motivate you. I'm sure Scott it's with really, his name. Yeah. Same thing. I mean, the name, cool. I don't know. That's cool. I took, you know, I took uh, my, my dad's sister passed away recently and she had all these photographs of, of my grandfather who I actually never got to meet. And my dad is kids. And so they're kind of like that black and white, but maybe, you know, the, the color is kind of washed out of them. So I grabbed a whole bunch of them. We framed them, put them up on the wall in the office. Awesome. Got to do this tribute to them. My dad came in the office. He comes in once in a while and he was like, you know, he could, he, he's old enough that he's tough enough. He's not going to cry, but you could tell it really struck a chord with him. And that was pretty cool. That was really cool. That's so cool. I just saw on um, the, uh, in Australia, when um what was it the crocodile hunter what was the guy that passed away um i think it was steve Irwin was that his name i think so he uh his his daughter just got married and um i can't remember her exact name but she got married and obviously you know steve's not there yeah you not you got it you got it and they there was a person in australia that did a painting and put him into the the painting of the wedding and i saw it yesterday and it was like it was touching. I was like, wow, like that. It was an amazing yeah. piece. So that's kind of cool. Like when you look at that, it's like, you know, maybe you didn't get to meet your grandfather, but ultimately, you know, he's proud of you for sure for what you've done. So congratulations, man. That's such a cool story. It is cool. I mean, the cool thing too is we, you know, one of the things is uh, my father and my grandfather owned a sporting goods store, nothing to do with marketing at all in Buffalo, New York. And I work with these Napa stores and essentially they're all individually owned. There's no, they're not franchised. It's kind of a weird business model. And I'm, I'm working with these guys and I'm realizing it's very similar to my dad and, 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 and my grandfather in that they're small town communities. They're like the local hardware store slash auto parts store. And so I kind of had a little passion to help them because I was felt like I was working with my dad, you know? So one of the things we tried to adopt as we hire people is that same mindset of like, how are we going to do business with people beyond the actual product we produce or make? How, how do we want to be recognized and how do we, so we kind of, those pictures are on the wall for a reason. You know, in fact, I have a picture of their old store because, you know, not everyone's going to get it. We live in, you know, kids coming out of school that, you know, but that small town America handshake, like call me after seven if you need to talk kind of thing. Is very real in Napa, and you could say that in some respects they're like you know 20 years behind us, and and they are. You know, for for a while we're still faxing stuff to stores, but you do have that that relationship that's rock solid. You know, those guys aren't going to go anywhere. So it's a really comforting feeling to have a client like that as well. It's cool to help a guy. You know, you want to wake up and help those people. You know, whatever you can do to help them out. So, and, and last thing I'll say is really cool when the whole COVID thing happened, a couple of those guys called me to ask, uh, you know, how are you guys doing? How, how is Arthur Elliott? Are you guys still in business? Are you okay? I'm going to keep paying you guys because I want to make sure you're okay. And I thought that's like the, the best compliment you could get from a customer. I love that. So you said your dad owned a, a sporting goods store in Buffalo. This is totally random and off topic, but... Did they sell a bunch of those uh, those tables? Like, were they the ones that first got the table out there? So the Buffalo fans jump on the table. Did is that like the number one product sold at this sporting goods store? It was a foldable table. 
<laughs> no, that came that came with um. You, I don't know if you know a lot of NFL history, but Stevie Johnson, wide receiver, eventually went to San Francisco. He coined the term Buffalo, the Bills Mafia, and that was actually in the '90s. They were partying like that for years. <laughs> but my dad's that my dad's day. Like, there's a guy that goes every game, uh, station wagon Steve or something. They cover him in ketchup and mustard before every game. I've he, seen this. He's been there yes. Since this, yes. He, I forget his name. It's like Hot Rod Ron, or I forgot his name, but they've been there since the 60s. It's in the 90s is when they started lighting stuff on fire and jumping off tables. So <laughs> he, he missed that era. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Well, Michael, let's bring you in here. I want to learn, you know, a little bit about, uh, you know, your background. You've you've done a lot in marketing, a, a lot in photography. Would love to know, you know, what made you uh, join Arthur uh, Elliott, and really what you know, what what kind of got you excited about that organization, and and what has kind of been your kind of journey the last year? Well, I can tell you um, it's all about relationships and people as, as uh, Scott can attest to, you know, I've learned that through him. It's about building strong um, lasting relationships. And I was on uh, the vendor side. They had hired me to do some photography work um, for one of their, actually two of their clients. And I really um, believed in Andy as sometimes he says that I believe in him more than he believes in himself. Um, but I just believed in the mission of the company. I believed in the growth, the passion, the gratitude and responsiveness of what, you know, internally we, we talk about, and those are our internal missions. Um, I didn't know that at the time, but when you meet somebody, you can tell that they're good people. You know how your grandparents used to say, or your parents said they're good people. And we met one time for uh, breakfast and coffee. And I just said, if there's any opportunity to ever work with, together, I want to work with you. I said, I believe in you and I trust you. Um, and one thing led to another. I was on vacation with my family with, you know, Scott knows my wife, Beth. And we were down there and a phone call came and one thing led to another. And they brought me on board. And it's it's been a wild ride since. I mean, I've learned so much um, just from being associated on the Napa side of the business and the down, this is the one thing that I truly loved when I worked on the Napa side is, and, and uh, Andy spoke to it is you really get to affect change on a local level when somebody owns their small business because it's theirs. Um, and those are down to earth, salty earth people. And it's fun to work with those guys. It really is. Um, and I say, some women, not not a whole lot, but they're in there. Um, you know, and I worked in Tennessee and Virginia and Indiana. And Tennessee was probably one of my favorites just because I'm from the South and those good old country boys, you can sit there and talk to them for days. You know, so I really enjoyed that. And then made the transition over to uh, what we'll call Andy's side of the business um, and, and the branding aspect of it and the marketing. And to me, that just, as Scott knows, I'm big on brand purpose and brand marketing. And he knows from the Char Hill Classic to the Good Ride and my association with uh, 24 Hours of Booty that I, I really love to help organizations find their purpose and amplify that message to the masses. 
I love that, man. I want to uh, jump into what you guys have been able to do. And, and, you know, the word pivot is completely overused, but you guys have done more than that. You created a, an entire new way of thinking specifically tailored towards restaurants and and really, how can we support brands? How can we keep you alive? But ultimately, how can we keep you open? How can we figure out some new creative marketing ideas and ways that you know we can keep you open and hopefully you know get through this COVID time? Tell us about Open Feed Charlotte. What is it, and what can it do to support the uh, really the local businesses, but the local restaurants right here in Charlotte? You're good at this. Do you want me to take that one, or you yeah, want to start yeah. with how it started? Um, I'm afraid if I, I'm going to talk too much, but all right. <laughs> um, yeah. So kind of how this started and Michael actually works on this. So he, he's, he's more into it than I would be, but, um, yeah. So when it all happened, everybody got scared, including us. And, um, we said, what do we have? What do we have that we could help? You know, what's, what kind of shovels and pickaxes can we use here? So we got web services, we can advertise, we knew no one's going to spend money on advertising right now. It seemed kind of, uh, it seemed kind of selfish to be out selling anyways. So, um, we, we kind of made a, well, by mistake, we made this, uh, small business, try to help restaurants tell people they're still open, like advertising package for like 500 bucks, you know, something super cheap that we could just say, Hey, Maybe they need to communicate that they're doing takeout still. So we went to a pizza place, the Sante Pizza, and that guy said, you know, I'm not buying anything, which we kept hearing, but I do need help because I want to get the message out about, you know, this is pre PPP money. This is pre all the, you know, like a lot of stuff had changed since then. Um, but and he was saying like, there are other restaurants that need to learn how to do takeout. And there are other restaurants that need to know where to go to get information on loans and all this stuff was coming up. HR policies, because they're going to lay people off. And it, was a, it was a mess. And um, we said, we got it. Okay, now we know what we can do. And we created Open Feed, which really was started off as a website for restaurant owners. H, but it wasn't just restaurant owners. It was uh, lawyers, tax people, HR um you know, the food distributor company, Cisco, all those guys, they wanted to come together and have just post content so people could read it. So that's kind of how it all started. Like anything else, it's, it doesn't end up there, but Michael, I'll pass to you now. So um, thank you, Andy. So one of the clients or one of the people we worked with was U.S. Foods, and they brought an immense amount of content and partnership um, to this collaboration. And, and, and I go back and how you said that we overuse the word pivot. And I completely agree. Um, but there's a word now that's being thrown around and sometimes it's used in the wrong way. But fortunately, we were, I want to say at the forefront of this was, you know, brand empathy. And we realized that being from Charlotte, that this is our community. You know, we had to stand up and do something. Um, we all eat at restaurants. I mean, how, how often do you guys go out to eat? You know, Scott, I know you're probably, you know, still feeling newly married. So you probably do go out to eat a lot, you know, and I know Beth and I do with uh, our son at college, you know, going back for a sophomore year. But for me being a food photographer at the time, I just knew that we had to stand up and help these people. I mean, it was struggling. You've got front of house, back of house, 
chefs. Um, so we brought everybody together really quickly. Um, I don't think I've seen anybody work so hard on a project as our team and the people that we had as community partners that brought this together so quickly. Not only did we go through one design, but two designs to get it right. So the message was going to get cut through the noise and be extremely clear what we were trying to do, which was basically a clearinghouse for all the information that these people needed. You know, it feels like four years ago when COVID first started, you know, it does feel like a lifetime ago, but when it did, nobody knew where to go, what to do, what they were looking for. So we wanted to bring it all into one central area where they could go to open feed. They could find out about loans. They could find out about what the government was going to do. Um, especially like phase one, two, and three. Um, and then we went one step further. We thought, what is the best way to help people? And that's best practices from people that have been there. So we started to interview owners of restaurants um, and chefs so they could share with others what they were doing. And not just any chef. We were, we were picking the chefs who were extremely successful and they could share their wisdom with everyone else. Uh, you know, if you're familiar with Red Rocks here in Charlotte, um, for a restaurant to be around 20 plus years is extremely rare. And so I had John Love on, uh, on, just like we're doing now, and we talked, and he was very forthright and very open about what young owners need to do. Um, you know, how, you need to have three months cash on hand. And he was telling them how to navigate the process and what to do. And he, he basically said, and I'll leave it with this, that if I can't keep my customers safe and feel that they can come into my establishment, be welcome and not have fear, then I would rather close my business down. That's a pretty bold statement. Powerful. Very. So Ooh. when you hear that from somebody like that, if he feels that way, there's probably a lot of other owners that feel that way. So it became very personal to us as an agency to step in and help where we could. I don't own a restaurant or Andy doesn't own one. You know, if you see my weight, I obviously love restaurants. So <laughs> I knew a little bit about it. Oh, don't um, be so hard on yourself, buddy. <laughs> and also from being a food photographer, you know, I knew a lot of people in the business. So it was it was personal for me, a way to give back. And I think if we all take the note that at the end of the day, business is personal. It's about relationships. And if we look at that, we're all in this together and, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. So, that's that, so was, great. That's the, that was the genesis of Open Feed. And it's still going today. Um, a lot of restaurants have found their way. Um, you know, they're, they're, um, God, they're, they're making smaller little restaurants to pivot off what they were doing. You look at Noble, what he's done. You look at uh, Chef Coleman, what he's done with these little chicken shops that are popping up everywhere. You know, so they're finding ways. And, God, you know, it's there's nothing like a, a crisis that breeds opportunity. And I know that's been said a thousand times before, you know, never let a crisis go to waste. And people can use that in the wrong way. But in a time like this, it spurs innovation. I know in our office, it spurs creativity. Uh, we are fortunate to have probably one of the best creative directors in Charlotte. Um, and he's always spurring us. 
and our owner to be to strive to be better, to be bold, to be brave in what we do and with our clients. You know, there's one I was going to pop in here, guys. There's another project that I'm tempted not to talk about because we don't really have it fully flushed out yet. But I think it's it may even be better than this. Um, and one of our youngest uh, recent college grads worked for us came up with this idea, which really makes me proud. Um, we knew that the kids and the moms now, you know, the news yesterday, Charlotte Mecklenburg schools are not really going back. So we, we have people at home, I'm sure you do, that stay-at-home moms are like, what do I do with my kids all summer long? And now we're not going back to school. What do I do with them? So we created this program called Crown Town Kids. And we've actually got some bigger companies in Charlotte that want to be involved in it. But Crown Town Kids is essentially a website or a portal for kids to go between the ages of uh, 7 to 10 and find some cool, fun stuff to do that's not, you know, it's, it's healthy. Um, it's not too educational driven as far as schoolwork, but there still could be some math problems and puzzles and stuff like that for them to do. And we've actually been polling some eight-year-olds, which has been a lot of fun. What do you guys like to do? What's fun? They love being online and the little iPads. So we wanted to give, we kind of wanted to bring the community together again. This time, get some bigger sponsors. Maybe there'll be a major hospital involved. Maybe maybe, maybe a grocery store. Um, maybe some media partners. We try to get them together, all supporting this and saying, hey, we're going to uplift Charlotte. If you have a kid between the ages of 7 and 10, sit them in front of the internet for a second. And um, we're looking for content ideas. We're looking for celebrities to read a book to kids um we're looking for high school coaches to give little quick lessons because we're these eight-year-olds love to look up to you know coaches they want to see people know how to bake a cake show them how to bake a cake what what's behind the scenes at a tv station how does that work um they they're specifically asked about podcasters and how do you make an effective podcast so maybe if you guys know anyone i know i know <laughs> i know somebody who's like we can help you with that one, maybe. We can help out with that. Podcast, you know? Yeah, So cool. I, I'm really excited about that one, too. Crown Town Kids. Um, we, should, we should get that launched pretty soon. I love that. You know, there, there's been a lot of things that, that I've been reading throughout COVID. And um, I, have a, I have two young sons at home, one that's three weeks old and one that's two and a half. And so I had a pregnant wife during COVID, which was awesome. Um, but I will tell you, like, being at home so long, like, I just found myself, like, you know, what are companies going to do to change? How are they going to pivot? How are they, how, what's, what's going to be different? And one of the things that really stood out to me, which I think you guys are doing an amazing job at is the entire sales approach. Six months ago, it would have been like, how can I partner with that company? How can I get that sale? Like, how could we get with that team? Because everything was going good, but then it just completely stopped. And you mentioned not being selfish by going after business. And I really, really appreciate that. Where I think the sales approach has changed, which I think will help us in the future, is you do not go after a sale to sell. You need to go out and say, how can I serve you, not how can I sell you? And when you serve someone, you ultimately are going to be supporting them. And and the, the bottom line is the more you help, the more it comes back, right? So there's things that you guys are implementing that are going to help our community, not only during this crisis, but moving forward that you never would have thought about in the, in the a year ago. Maybe you wouldn't even have had the time to put the muscle behind it because it's like, you know, is that really a need? So you talk about, you know, you, ne you ne never want a uh, pandemic to go to waste or a crisis to go to waste. I really am appreciative of you guys and people like you in the community that are looking at this as not how can we stay afloat from a business standpoint? How can we use what we do best to support our community, whether that brings us revenue or not? 
And I think that's going to be something that ultimately will bring you more revenue. So from this standpoint, as being a consumer, I just want to say thank you, because I think that's uh, uh, what a true leader is all about. I mean, there's obviously, there's a little bit of selfishness in this, right? We want to help people. We want our name on it, but we feel like that's the, that is what we do. We, we are supposed to help. I mean, as an ad agency, we're supposed to, we're designed by nature to help other businesses grow. And so we're just trying to do that again, you know, and if, if we can attach our name to something that uplifts Charlotte, great, you know, and we get a little recognition, great. But yeah, cold calling guys right now is not, it doesn't, it doesn't feel good. We're not helping, you know, No. it's, it's yeah. So I appreciate yeah. what you said. That's nice. You say it on your website, you got to own your corner of the world and you're doing just that. I love it. Yeah. What are you, uh, quick question, like, what are you seeing if you don't mind me asking and you don't have to answer it, but with marketing budgets, what are companies doing? Are they cutting back or are they actually reallocating funds? Uh, you know, we're kind of in the branded merchandise space, so it's a different line of marketing. Um, but we're, we're starting to see like, well, Hey, this client actually sponsored the Hornets sponsored the Wells, uh, golf tournament and all these things that did not happen. So they all of a sudden have bigger budgets and can reallocate those monies towards other lines of marketing. Are you seeing that on your end? And, uh, you know, what kind of optimism and, and planning are companies having, uh, going forward and coming out of this thing? companies you just mentioned from you um the you know i think you're right i think there's been a uh, pivot <laughs> there's that from, word <laughs> from events and so a lot of corporations as you know they have a marketing budget that, that's set for a year it might be from february to february whatever it is and they so they're not gonna they're not gonna just stop spending they're gonna move that money to something else that's one thing there are definitely some companies, and we've been affected by this, that look long term and say, "Hey, we're not going to be able to sell product because maybe we were. We've had a client, for example, that is an event company, and they're not going to have any events, so they're like, we're, we've got to close our doors. Marketing budget's got to stop. What are we going to sell?" Um, there are some that feel like long term they may have to cut people, cut resources, whatever it is. And as a result, it's just totally fair for them to cut back on their marketing budget as well. So some of them have cut by a percent or something. And then you have some that are consistently, and we've been blessed again, that Napa has been an essential business. And there's a lot of them that are actually doing very well. Um, like I said, in some of these small towns, the Napa's are the hardware store. They sell like, you know, landscaping equipment and things like that, weed whacker string and gasoline cans and all that stuff. So they're thriving. You know, there, there's a lot of people that are, there's, there's facts on this too, that new car sales are going to go up because a lot of people are not going to, New York City, they're not Ubering anymore. A lot of people are getting out of the city. They bought their first car. Um, people that want to just, they don't want to be cooped up anymore. or They're not going to take public transportation. They're buying new cars. People that have older cars that don't have the cash now because they maybe got furloughed are going to work on their cars. So there's a whole industry there that could be impacted in a positive manner because of this. So I do think those things are going to happen too. And then you have some very, I would call them smart people that say, hey, now is the time to push on our advertising and reach out further. And you saw that in the first couple of months of the pandemic where all the ads that you saw on TV were, we're here for you. We're about this. And they're, they're much more emotionally driven ads than price product. So they're still, they're still out there. So short answer, I'd say you got, 
a very wide end of the spectrum, but it's becoming one way or the other more apparent and people or companies are definitely shifting or pivoting their spend from maybe something they had before to something else. So Sure. And and well too, you know, some of their competition may no longer exist. And so there is market share to uh get in front of that might be looking for a new supplier or whatever it is, whatever type of business it is. So Yeah, I wanna it's cool to hear. I wanna jump in before we, we kind of get get down to the end of this is is what have you guys learned uh, about organizations, how are they staying in business? And and if you want to jump specifically into restaurants, that's fine. I'm just curious to see what are some things that are working and what have you seen from a marketing standpoint that you would say, wow, that's really good. Or this brand did a really good job uh, for the people that are listening. And maybe they are, there could be some advice that they could take and implement into their strategy. So I think um, one of the things that we also did that I, that I noticed by accident a lot of things happen like this is communication became really important. Um, you know, the beginning of this whole, everything was zoom calls, right? You're zoom calling your family because people are in isolation. We had a little forum where we brought some Napa store owners together, just like we did. We basically replicated the model for open feed for our other clients and said, Hey, you're over here in New Jersey. You're in California. You're in Arizona. Get together and talk. So if you take that mindset of communicating, just communicating how you feel, what are you seeing, what's going on in your neck of the woods, because there is this very blind kind of feeling your way through the dark. Nobody knows what's going to happen next. So there's an extreme amount of anxiety. When is this going to end? Sometimes just talking and communicating effectively, whether that's through Zoom calls, through social media, um, or, and I said this before, where you have these, these bigger corporations that suddenly came out with ads that spoke to people about where they're at. You know, we know you're hurting. We know there's this anxiety, but we're still here. We're still open. You know, it's okay. Those kind of those kind of ads started to come up. I can't think of one in the top of my head because I'm frozen. But the um, there there was a lot of them, right? So they had that. And then if you if you drill that down to a local level, to if you ask about restaurants, I think some of the smartest stuff I've seen is is companies that are alleviating. Michael said this before, there's a fear of going out in public, of going to a restaurant. Am I going to get this thing? It's like, I, I think there's some people that believe this COVID thing is like that movie Fallen with Denzel Washington, where it's like hopping from yeah. person to person. It's choosing its victims, you know? <laughs> so if you speak to that fear, if you're a restaurant owner and you're like, hey, every, every table spread out, we're social distancing, we have a plan. You've got to do this, this, and this. We clean after everything. And if you just explain that, just communicate to people, the fears kind of come down. It's when people don't know what's going to happen and they watch the news all day long. It's like, oh my gosh, the world's going to end and pretty soon zombies are going to come up. So I think that would be the advice. It's a very high level. You could get specific to your industry and say, how do I make this person feel safe and like this is normal again now? And we're going to do something to make you feel safe. That that would be 100% what I would be telling everybody to do. Over-communicate. Over-communicate. And even if that's get everyone on a conference call and just talk about what you're going through. That works too. B2B, B2B customers, that's what I would recommend for them, B2B businesses. That's awesome, man. I, before we, we, uh, we close this up, I do... I uh, want to tell everyone, if you are if you are uh, listening, please like, share, comment. Please go check out Arthur Elliott. Their website's amazing. I think there's a lot of people that will be listening to this that 
you know, maybe they're already work with a marketing company or maybe they're, you know, thinking about working with a marketing company. And I think you guys have given them a lot of nuggets to, uh, to chew on and hopefully they'll reach out to you and say, Hey, this could be a really good uh, opportunity to partner up. Um, what is the best way for them to contact you? If we have a, a business owner, or if we have somebody that's in this you know, type of world that that's looking for some help, how can they get in touch with Arthur Elliott? As Michael said before, is responsiveness. So everyone on this team, regardless of who they are, should call you back or email you back pretty much that day if possible. And that comes from when I was coming up through the ranks, I reached out to a lot of people for jobs and resumes and interviews and sales and no one responded. And I know what that's like. So essentially, um, guarantee that you can even email me and I will respond to you. My email is andy at arthurelliot.com. Um, there's a phone number on our website, which goes to Nick at ArthurElliot.com, And he's kind of our sales new business guy. Um, Michael is Michael at ArthurElliot.com, And any of those phone numbers, emails, we will get back to you or, or get someone in the office who's smarter than me to talk to you on whatever it is you need. And I'm not kidding when I say this, even if it's just some advice or a question, I think there's enough. I think if we believe in abundance, if there's an agency in town that can do something we can't, I'm happy to recommend those guys to you. Um, so happy to help with advice because I, I do think that's what we're supposed to do. And I love that. I, I love, I've been in Charlotte 10 years. I, I'm, I met my wife here. I have two kids. I love this place. I've never lived in a city and I've lived in a lot of them that seems more like a family than Charlotte. I, I, I've never, and maybe the podcast has exposed this, but I've, we've had so many competitors or people that come on and they never look at competition. They look at it as a community. How can we all come together? And and right now is obviously a time that we need that to happen. So like, I love the approach that you have. Congratulations on that. Hey, Brian, before yeah. we uh, wrap up, can I share a really, really quick story? Absolutely. You? Yeah, hit it. I want to finish on a positive note about opportunity because there's opportunity there for your clients, our clients, and everyone that's out there. And like the research now is, you know, the TV, TV and radio advertising, the cost of that has plummeted and hit the floor. So there's opportunities for your clients, my clients, to go into TV and radio and advertise there. Um, but I want to I want to harken back because this feels a lot like uh, the time of the Great Depression, how people are behaving, acting. Um, and there's a you story. You that about, old, Michael? Yeah, man, been yeah, a, I, dang, I was about to say old. you've been around a while. Man, I'm, I'm yeah. 106. So, <laughs> we're all we're all familiar with the company Procter Gamble, which is now P&G, and they're based out of Cincinnati. So during the Great Depression, um, they were probably the 15th or 20th largest packaged good customer in the country, just in the country, not the world. And at that time, radio advertising hit the floor. So they came in and they bought up all this advertising. And you know what they created? Soap operas to sell their product. They went from the 20th largest consumer package to number one in the world when the Great Depression came out. And the lesson is that is you pay attention to the brands that pay attention to you. You stay in front. You always stay in front and keep advertising. People want to know that you're there, that you're reliable, and that you're in front of them. So that's the biggest message I could send, especially with what you guys do. And the branding that you, you 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 sell, and you know we we're fortunate enough, hopefully, to to have some hats. But it's it's a way to always be in front because 
you know, nowadays, if you're not on the TV, you're not on the internet, um, you're not in front of them, you go away and you go away quickly. So take, Great advice. take the opportunity to not waste the crisis. Find the opportunity. Adversity creates opportunity. One of my favorite lines. It's well, very that's true. Right. Very true. You just have to look for it. You know? I think I hear that once a day. I think yeah. I hear that once a day from the, from the Dunstan over He's here. tired of hearing it, but it's very true. And, no, it, and man, it's, it'll surprise you. Damn right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, I put it into perspective because most of the time I'm over here, you know, worrying about something and he'll just say that. I'm like, all right, you're right. You're right. You're this right. challenge, this problem you're is right. only going to make you better. You just don't right. give up. That's right. You know? Hey, hey Andy, that. Scott and That's I like, both like quotes. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, guys, thank you so much. We really enjoyed it, and it's great to connect and see some great faces, and uh, we appreciate it. Yeah, it was awesome. Thank you guys so much. Definitely uh, go check them out. Follow them on Instagram. I'm looking at a uh, a video of uh, the Sporting Goods Center back in the day of Buffalo. So there's a lot of history. Uh, really cool name. Really cool company. Love that what you guys have done with Open Feed Charlotte. I think there's a lot of organizations that uh, that can benefit not only from your way of thinking, but ultimately partnering with you to continue to to to, to hopefully you know help their brand expand. So um, you know, Andy, congratulations on starting the business and all the success that you have right now. Congratulations on growing uh, to have your team over 26 people. We're so excited to to follow you. And, and I think with the way that you think and the way that you're running your business, you guys will be here for a long time and we'll be supporting brands uh, for years to come. So thank you guys so much for joining us on this episode of the Brand Builders Podcast. You've been listening to the Brand Builders Podcast, brought to you by the Dunstan Group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com.